Welcome to the premiere edition of the Keith Ergo Show, your inside look at all things Fordham men's basketball with the head coach of the 9-1 and Fordham Rims of the Moment, Keith Ergo. I'm Andrew Bogush, but Keith, the man of the moment, coach, great to talk to you and congrats on this great star for your team. Andrew, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. It's it's fantastic to be here on, uh, on, on with you and talk a little about Fordham basketball, our team, how hard they're playing, how well they're doing try to continue to generate some buzz and hopefully we can keep this momentum going. We're hanging out now in between your win over Wagner before you play Binghamton. So before we get into anything else, how long do you let yourself celebrate a win? Is it just an overnight thing? What's the rule in the, in the Ergo household? Quite honestly, you know, it's funny. Um, yeah, I'm absolutely insane. So even after Tulane, we won <laughs> on the flight back. I was I was watching Wagner. So um, I, I'll enjoy it with the guys in the locker room afterwards, depending on, you know, the schedule. Right now, it's been so crazy. We played, I think, six games in 14 days, three games in six days here to finish. Um, so we really haven't had a whole lot of, of time to, to, to celebrate. Uh, I let the guys do that, certainly in the locker room and that night. But, you know, it's typically two-day two day prep. So we got to start that night, you know, breaking down the film, getting better ourselves. And then, you know, fortunately, I have an unbelievable staff that's well out in front of our next game. And then I typically start watching it either that night or, or the day before, you know, the day before. Um, so I, I don't really get to celebrate all that much. Uh, is the schedule crazy on purpose? I mean, this week is Tuesday, Friday, Sunday. Is that just how things fell? Or are you trying to get your guys to play with the quick turnarounds and the limited prep time? It's a little bit of both, a little bit of both. Um, but it's kind of the way that the schedule fell out with our non-conference and, our, and some of the games and the opponents we were able to to uh, to get. Um, but, you know, we also start exams next week, too. So um, it was kind of let's let's try to fit in as many. And honestly, um, with with being one of the first, if not, I think we are the first Atlantic 10. You know, there's four two games, four teams play on the 28th. That's really early. So as a result, we couldn't get a, an opponent, opponent after Christmas. We had to get everything done before Christmas. Um, so otherwise, there might have been a little bit of different break here. Um, with one or one of these games moving later, probably after Christmas, but we didn't have that luxury. So um, that's kind of just the way it unfolded. And it's been really good for us in one respect because <laughs> I've had to take it easy on them. Um, <laughs> you know, but fortunately we have an older team and that had something to do with a little bit, wasn't as nervous doing it um, because we have so many older guys. Now it's funny. We don't have many, very many in the middle. We're either really old or really young. Uh, but our older guys are really mature, really experienced, so it's been easier. Now, you said the guys are playing really hard, and they are. But what I noticed, too, is that they're playing with with energy and fun. They're always – they seem to be having fun. In fact, maybe my favorite part of your games, because the res, even though the results have been doing so well, is pregame being courtside and watching Darius, Antrell, Kyle in particular – they're dancing, they're singing, they're bopping around. They're all ribbing each other. They're yelling, they're screaming. Where does that that come from? Well, it's just an energy that our staff has, obviously. And, and we want to play carefree. You know, we get after them pretty good in practice. So, you know, you play 31 games, you're guaranteed. So, um, you know, we want them to be loose. We want them to be having fun. And when you're winning, you know, it makes it a little bit easier. But um, these guys are prepared you know, before the game. So, you know, you want them to go out there, play with confidence. And, um, you know, they're a little bit older. They've been more consistent. They've earned the right to kind of let loose a little bit and have a little bit of fun. 
you know, we'll listen to music during practices and certain moments, things like that. So uh, it's good to be a little bit more carefree and, and, and loose going into games, not so uptight. And you can do that when you got some older guys who are now going into games, believing that they're, they're going to win no matter what. And that's a mindset that they've developed. And, and honestly, that's, that's worth several points every single night. Obviously, when you're sitting in the gym and you're watching a kid play in high school or AAU, whatever it is, you can tell how good he is, I think, fairly quickly. But how do you find out if he's a good kid, if he's going to fit yeah. and have the right chemistry makeup for you? It's important, obviously. That's that's the number one thing we talk about as a staff. And here at Fordham, understanding what we're trying to do, we do it a little bit differently. We want unique and authentic relationships, really, for the next 40 to 50 years of your life. We're not really looking for the next two to three or even one. So we make that very clear. We're as real as it gets throughout the process, explaining to them. We expect and demand a lot of you has nothing to do with being on the court. We demand you go to practice, you know, go to class every single day. We check them every day. We demand you get out into the community and you give back as much as possible. And obviously when you step between those lines, we expect you to be a killer. So, you know, it's, it's a very, um, for us, it's developing the relationship over the course of several months with their families, with their coaches, with the kids, um, and, and making sure they understand exactly what's to be expected when you become a Florida basketball player. And we've been very fortunate to have such great staff members identify kids that really fit what we're trying to do here at Fordham. I want to ask you a question that I asked you before, one of the very first games of the season, now that you've had 10 games under your belt, how has it been running a game as a head coach? I think for the first time since you were a high school coach, like right after yeah. college. Yeah, you know what? It's been incredible. I've been waiting a long time, quite honestly, to do it. So I've had the fortunate um, experience of watching others do it correctly and incorrectly at times. I, I, I've been, uh, um, I was, I've been telling people this, you know, and, and I thank Pat Chambers and also Jay, because Jay, you know, we went to the Final Four in 2009, but prior to that, you know, we had in the Sweet 16s and Elite 8s, but he still made some mistakes. Everybody does. And, I, you know, if you do what you're supposed to do and, and you're really, kind of step back and, and listen more than just you, you talk, which those guys taught me. Um, you're, you're able to kind of recognize and learn from the mistakes that they made when they were calling the shots. So I've been very fortunate and having a guy like Dave Paulson, who's been head coach for 27 years on the bench, kind of be there by my side, you know, has been very valuable as well. Um, <clears throat> but I constantly talk to Pat, Pat Chambers, coach Wright via text, Jim Ferry all the time. Um, so it's, it's been very beneficial to have those guys kind of coaching me up almost every day, which is great. And I talk to Kyle Neptune on a regular basis. So, uh, but there's nothing quite like it. It's amazing. You know, being able to talk to refs without being told to sit the hell down. That's a whole nother <laughs> ball game. I love it. Um, you know, so uh, I, I'm enjoying it. And I, you know, it's a lot easier when you have really good kids that, you know, you're looking forward to showing up and practicing with every day. I didn't ask you this question. I didn't ask Kyle this question. I don't think any of us did. So I feel like we kind of didn't do our job last year, but how did you get connected to Kyle Neptune and Fordham in the first place? Like, you know, I was that 18 months ago, two years ago. Yeah. You know what? Um, when I was the video coordinator at Villanova in 2007, late in August, Brett Gunning, the associate head coach took a job with the Houston Rockets. Um, and as a result, I think it was Houston, but it was an NBA job. I started in Orlando. I can't remember remember but either way it was late August and Pat Chambers got promoted to associate head coach and convinced Jay Wright to hire me and, and promote me to director of ops and Jason Donnelly moved up to an assistant and as a result um, he gave the, um, the the responsibility of hiring and replacing me as a video coordinator to Pat Chambers and myself and lo and behold we hired Kyle Neptune to replace myself as the video coordinator so he and I 
got extremely close and worked together for two years at Villanova, went to a Final Four in 2009. And then when he went on to Niagara, I was actually promoted to an assistant for a year with Jay before going on to Penn State. So we developed our relationship back in 2008, and we've been extremely close ever since. Last year, when everything happened at Penn State, I had some opportunities with some other universities and other great programs. Um, but Kyle was kind of relentless with me, and um, you know, I wanted to make sure that it was the right move for my family, having four children. And, and um, you know, I see the direction. My father went to Fordham, played basketball here, 1954 as a freshman, graduated in 1959, 62 law graduates. So, you know, I've known about Fordham. It's, it's been ingrained in me in my entire life, the Jesuit, Jesuit education, Jesuit ideals. I went to Gonzaga High School, I played at Fairfield University. So, you know, it's kind of a perfect fit. And Kyle Neptune, I thought, was as good as anybody. Um, at developing relationships, which is really what I'm all about. Um, and Ed Cole being the AD here, you know, his vision aligning with what we were trying to build. And then obviously the new president and President Tetlow, knowing she was eventually going to come, or at least the new president was going to come. Um, it just all fit and made sense. And Kyle and I were, were lockstep in, in every decision that, that we made from staff to players. And uh, I can't be more thankful to him for, for, uh, for bringing me here. I'm glad you mentioned your dad. I was going to bring him up anyway. As you said, went to Fordham, did the Fordham yeah. double. That's not easy because the Fordham Law School doesn't necessarily take with ease the Fordham undergrad. No. So that's an impressive double out of him. How did you not go to Fordham? And how are you not a lawyer right now? I wasn't smart enough. Couldn't even come close to do any of those things. <laughs> um, you know, I was fortunate just to get into a college. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's funny. And I, it's 10 kids in my family. I'm the eighth of 10, nine boys and one girl. The only girl's right in the middle of the fifth. Really, um, you know, my father, the only one that, there was only a few people that were capable of getting into a school like Florida. Probably my oldest brother, Donnie, who's a junior, um, ended up going to Georgetown Prep and then off to Notre Dame, choosing Notre Dame over Fordham. So I think he was the only guy that pretty much had a chance to even get into Fordham, but my father was crushed. So to be the one that ends up back at Fordham for my father. You know, they call me the golden child as a result. So I get a lot of crap from my family, but <laughs> hey, there is nothing quite like seeing my father last week or two weeks ago. Um, Harvard was the first game that they were able to make because my mother and father were traveling overseas for the first few. So they were courtside for that Harvard game. That was the first game that they got to see me be the head coach of. I was a little nervous because it was a tough opponent, but um, honestly, I was very emotional before the game, very emotional after the game. It's, uh, it's the greatest honor of my life to be at my father's alma mater. He's been an incredible role model, my hero, my idol for sure. Uh, more of the type of human being he is. Um, it, it, he's just one of the most amazing human beings, one of the most selfless human beings along with my mother. So to, to be living out this dream, be, be, become a head coach, in general, but then also do it for the first time at his alma mater. It's a dream come true. What about the other end of the family spectrum? Do your kids care? Do they think dad's got a cool job or are they too too young for that still? A little bit young. I mean, they, they give me crap like tonight. Thank God I'll be making my, my 11 year old's basketball game after the podcast. But, you know, they're, they're uh, that's the best part, man. When I come home, I'm just dad. And, you know, they give me more crap than anybody. It doesn't matter what I do. Um, but they're starting to get there a little bit. The 11 year old starting to play a lot of basketball, nine year old. They kind of understand it. Their friends are starting to excited. They want to come to games tomorrow night. I think they're bringing some friends and some of their friends' families. And 
Um, so they're, they're starting to get old enough to recognize what it is and they're excited about it. But ultimately I'm still dad. And if I'm not around for one of their games, they're pissed. And, and so am I. So, and, and they let me know it, you know, yeah. um, you know, I still get up every morning and get in huge fights with them to get them up and out of school. Right. So uh, it's, uh, it's awesome to keep you very humble. Let's make that yeah. clear. Although you've got the reverse problem of me and my wife. My kids don't sleep. Our fight is to make them sleep longer. We'd, I'd rather at this point have to wake them up for school because instead at 6.30, they're coming in the in the room waking everybody up, which is not fun. Oh, yeah. My two girls do that on a regular basis. The problem is I can't get my guys to sleep at night, so they sleep in when they can. It's funny. When it's a school day, they won't yeah. get up. But then again, I, I, like on a, on a Saturday and Sunday, like they're up at like 6.45 on their video games. I'm like, this is ass backwards, but yep. whatever. Nope. Uh, that, that, that's my world. We, um, weekends begging them to sleep in. Yeah. No, 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 no. Here we go. And then they'll get to Monday and that will be the day that they both want to sleep until eight o'clock and not. Get yeah, exactly. Box. It's funny how that works, man. But, uh, they're, they're, they're awesome. My, my, my house is absolutely insane. My wife's is just incredible. How many head coaching jobs did you win your few for before Fordham? Do you have a, do you keep count? E, no, nah, I didn't really keep count, although there weren't very many. I mean, I think I did. Um, I'm not going to name the universities. I think there was probably four or five that I interviewed, whether or not it was phone calls. Um, but I actually never had an in-person interview for any job other than being an assistant in a few places. But for head coaching jobs, I only had phone calls. Uh, and only, I think, two or three. I got to the second second round. Um, so this was the first in-person interview I had ever had to be a head coach. Were there times where you, where you thought it wasn't going to work out, that it was just going to be an assistant forever? Well, I had made it clear if I didn't get this job when it was open, uh, my wife and I had decided that, that I was probably going to step out. So um, quite honestly, I, I, you know, moving my family last year was incredibly difficult for my guys. Um, we had fantastic roots in state college. We have some amazing lifelong friends that we built um you know we live in there for 10 years my kids our neighborhood was amazing my kids had just a great life and they were very upset when we first moved here now they're loving life obviously but um you know we had given each other the age of 45 if i didn't become a head coach and fulfill that dream it was going to continue to get harder and harder i'd given myself uh, an, an additional two to two and a half years um as an assistant before i chose whether or not I was going to step away from the game. So, you know, my wife and I had, had been open about the fact that if I didn't necessarily get win this job at this stage, that there was a good chance that I was kind of just going to move on from, from college basketball and maybe go back to high school and, and do something like that. So it's kind of ironic that it happened the way it did. And I think, you know, and I've mentioned this to you before, part of the reason I think that was clearly in your favor was – the entire roster from last year went to bat for you basically to get this job. What does that mean to you that all of them stood up and raised their voice and, and, and stood behind you? Second to being the head coach at Fordham. It's the coolest honor I've ever had in my life. Like, um, you know, again, we talk a lot about relationships. The fact that this, the current staff had opportunities to go other places. They, along with the, the, the pretty much every member, as well as all the recruits, um, went to bat for me without really, really me knowing all that much. It's not like I'm not one of those guys who, who endorses himself or solicits himself. Um, but I got to give credit to Kyle Neptune. Um, he accepted the job the day he accepted the job after accepting that job or that Wednesday afternoon, when we had heard, he immediately 
put all of his energy and his effort into me becoming the next head coach at Fordham. Um, and he talked to the team, he talked to the staff, um, which I'm forever grateful for that. Um, and it just shows you the kind of human being he is, but um, there's nothing quite like it. I mean, that's why you do what you do, right? You, you develop relationships as a coach. You know, if you have an impact on, on young men, that's what you're doing. And to know that we have those relationships um, is something really special. And obviously I'm forever grateful to those guys for, for going into Ed Cole and, and the rest of the folks and, and going to bat for me. I wanted to go back now all the way to you're done playing at Fairfield. You're doing tremendous work outside the U.S. and a great charity with the game itself. But was there were you always going to work in basketball? Is that always the plan? Or was there ever an idea even back then that, hey, you know, that, that, there might be a different path for me in life? Yeah, no, there, there was definitely a, a point where I was not going to coach basketball. I come home. I got into residential land development in the D.C. metropolitan area. I had. um done a, a number of different things. I would work in the hotel business. My, my family owned is, is a hotel management and, uh, company um, that just since sold in, in August. But, you know, at one point, nine of the 10 uh, family members were working for the, for, for Ergo Hotels was the name of the company. And um, I had lived in, in Mount Tremblant, Canada for about six months and I had studied French. I wasn't very good at it throughout <laughs> high school and college. And I was going to try to be the, that was going to be my niche in the family business. You know, maybe I could not far from my wife where she lived in Saratoga Springs, just about an hour, 15 minutes northwest of Montreal and beautiful Laurentia Mountains, a place called Mount Tremblant, where my family owned and operated two hotels. And they had a couple of others in Montreal. So I was going to kind of be the French kind of liaison, so to speak, um, for the company. And that was really what I was going to dive into. And, you know, unfortunately, but fortunately, I got in a car accident, had to go home. And while I was home, during that period of time, Steve Turner, is the, he's the current head coach of Gonzaga, contacted me, wanted to have lunch with me. We went at a diner. He's like, look, man, I, you know, I'm interested. You, you, you have any interest in coaching? I'm like, I don't know. You know, he's like, I want you to be my head freshman coach. And I was like, wait, what? And I was like, man, maybe I'll try this out. So just kind of happened randomly, believe it or not. If I hadn't gotten in that car accident, I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have come home at all. And while I was at home, I was only at home for like a week getting checked out by doctors because I cracked a few ribs. And as I was home, someone had reached out to him and he reached out to me. And that's kind of how it all happened randomly out of nowhere. Um, and I started with the JV summer league team. And then I coached freshmen and I did well enough as a freshman coach and did a, a ton of the morning workouts with the varsity guys that he, he immediately bumped me up to varsity and wanted me to be his assistant at varsity. So it's kind of where it went from there. And then it goes to Villanova and that video coordinating job. And that, that to me seems that's going to a different level, right? I mean, there are a lot of high school coaches, but now you're at Villanova, you're in the door, you're at, you're in the big East, you're in Jay, right? How did that first hire at Villanova happen? You know, I, I, I had made a decision after two years at Gonzaga that I thought this was what I wanted to do and potentially try my hand in college basketball. And I only had a small window to do it. Cause I think I was like 26, 27 at that point. I had just gotten married, just bought a home silver spring maryland so you were old so what I, you felt old at 20 you felt old at like 26 27 yeah, right yeah, yeah. Well, well in the game of basketball i mean most of the time if you don't become a grad assistant right away and you're not a big time player it's hard to get in really hard to get your foot in the door rarely happens at that point so what i did was i kind of took my initiative and took some advice from some other folks every fall i would make these trips by myself i would use contacts Tim O'Toole from Fairfield would call his people at Duke or whatever it might be. So one year I did 
I left on a Thursday by myself, drove myself, contacted, you know, Duke, Wake Forest, uh, when Skip Prosser was the coach, North Carolina, those staffs. Unfortunately, they let me come in, watch practices, meet with the staff. So I just did it all on my own. That was one fall. The next fall, I chose, I tried to choose a different region. So I chose the Northeast where I went to the Philadelphia area. I had connections with Fran Dumphy when he had just started at Temple. I had uh, a player in Paul Johnson playing at LaSalle. So I went to LaSalle's practice. I went to Temple's practice. And it just so happened that Jason Donnelly, who at the time was the, who's now the AD at Furman, at the time he was the director of operations at Villanova. And I didn't even know about it. Um, but Jason Donnelly and I had worked a ton of Morgan Wooten basketball camps every summer and knew each other through that. But through connections, I got into Villanova's practice. Didn't even know he was the ops. He sees me, walks over, is like, yo, dude. And I said hello. He's like, man, is this something you want to do? I was like, yeah, ultimately, I'm just trying to, to network. Well, six months later, he calls Steve Turner out of nowhere because the video coordinator position opened up. He's like, you think Ergo would be interested? And he's like, absolutely. And that's kind of just – that was on a Wednesday, that Friday. I went up for an interview. It lasted all day. That Monday, Jay Wright came down. I met with him in Houston's diner on Rockville Pike. And – he hired me, told me he didn't, he tried to talk me out of it. He said, I'll do this. This is not something you want to do. This is not a life you want. This is a miserable, you know, he tries to talk you out of it to make sure this is something you did, you know, and he, he yeah. tried his best, but uh, I went for it and, you know, fortunately turned out. So the car accident takes you, gets you back home. This random meeting with Jason Donnelly at Villanova gets you in the Villanova door. Yeah. That's where you meet Kyle. Other jobs, maybe, you know, if they're, if, if, if the head coaching door opens sooner, maybe you're in a different trajectory. Instead, you're near, you know, you're sticking here. You and Kyle come here. Jay Wright retires out of nowhere. Kyle goes right. back there. And now you have this head coaching job. I don't know if you believe in the universe and whatever, but like this, this is, seems like it's almost, it was supposed to happen. It's crazy. Honest to God, it's been nuts. My wife and I have talked about it now. I waited a long time, you know, obviously. Yeah. And, and I, and I thought I, you know, like every coach, you think you're ready and you know, I can run my own program, this and that. And, um, but, um, it's just kind of ironic that of all the universities, this is kind of the way it's unfolded. My parents are still alive and kicking and my father's a Fordham alum and passionate. So I, it's kind of crazy how it all unfolded. Sometimes I, I don't, I take a step back and I'm like, how has this happened, man? It happened so quick out of nowhere but the way you just described it is pretty nuts because they were all completely random situations and i do believe that everything happens for a reason um i'm one of those kind of strange dudes so um you know i'm, I'm hoping that uh it, it didn't happen for a, a horrific reason and there's a a bad end coming our way I, but i don't think so i think fortunately we're surrounded by some incredible people and I think Fordham is making an amazing commitment to basketball, athletics, really, but specifically basketball, unlike any other time in its history. And as a result, we have the makings of, of what could be really special. Yeah, and I guess let's finish with there. Right? You're 10 games in. Again, we're talking between your Wagner win and taking on Binghamton and then Central Connecticut over the weekend. What's the thing you're most proud of from your team through these first 10 games? Just how they, they, they've they been consistent, the leadership, the connectivity. I, I, last year, I thought we were really connected and our guys really liked each other. But I thought it was really top down from the coaching staff down to the locker room. This team absolutely adores one another. They root for one another. Everyone has stepped up at some point to help us out that wasn't expected to. And that's a result of everybody staying connected and our leadership. 
Guys like Darius Quisenberry have taken it upon himself. We have leadership within the locker room. We don't have to tell them what to do every day. And as a result, that's when you can really have something special take place. And these guys really root for one another. They like each other. It's not fake. And, you know, they, they're, they're, you know, if one guy doesn't have it, he's rooting for the next. There's no animosity. There's no like, man, I hope he gets in foul trouble so I can play. It's nothing like that. Everybody's connected and rooting for each other, getting better every day. Our young guys are respecting the older guys and learning from them on a daily basis. It's been an incredible group. And I will tell you this. I think the biggest thing is they have pride in the name of the front of the jersey. They love being at Fordham. They have some a chip on their shoulder. Every single one of these guys all over the staff came here to try to do something a little different that had never been done. We call them trailblazers. So I think that's that's coming to fruition. They're starting to see the fruits of their labor, and hopefully it continues. Yeah, and that's something I'll, you know, as an alum, I can appreciate. I've been around this team, the program for you know better part of two decades now, and. I'm not sure that was always the case. And especially it feels like top to bottom, the case of how much the guys care about doing well at Fordham. And I don't know where that comes from individually as a group, but it's noticeable. And I think it's got to make a difference on the floor. It does. There's no doubt about it. And and that's why quite honestly, and I'm going to say this, I mean, we need more support from our student base, you know, because these guys, they get, you know, there's such incredible pride here at this institution from an alumni base and current student base and our students, when they come out, man, they make a world of difference in Rose Hill. These guys care about Fordham. They're not just a bunch of jocks. They're not just a bunch of basketball players. They love this place and they're starting to represent it at the highest of lights. So it's, it's uh, definitely um, something that I, I, we'd love to, to be infectious and have the community come and support and fill this Rose Hill, man, because we feel like this team specifically, if we can fill this place, it could be an incredible home court advantage and we can do some great things. Coach, this is a great first chat. I'm excited for the rest of them coming up this season. But right now, go to your son's game, get ready for Binghamton, yeah, and we'll see you in the gym again soon. Hey, hey, man, Andrew, thank you so much. Appreciate you doing this. Appreciate you taking the time. Love the support, man. And, and we're, we're doing everything in our power to make you as an alum proud of, of what, what you're seeing. And These guys are doing a great job representing you and the, the rest of the university. So thank you so much. Appreciate it. Coach, it's my pleasure, and thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll see you again soon for episode number two of the brand-new Keith Ergo Show.